0: What's up, Tahila? You're going to have to turn this up. I'm not as loud as James. That guy, he's got a shout in him. Don't you guys love James? Let's give it up for him. What a good man. I tell you, he gave me the royal tour. I had such a great day. We were just all over the place. I've seen your city, and it's not hard to love your city. How many of you love your city? Wow, what a great place this is. It's just awesome. Listen, I'm, I'm so glad to be here, and I, I just consider it an honor to hang out with you guys, and um, I've had a lot of time, sort of under my belt, with uh, young adults and youth, and um, really the first church I planted within the within within our, the church I now pastor is called the Door, and it's just a young adults community that still exists. It's vibrant. It's full of life, and so I love hanging out with you guys. I love you know hearing your stories and 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 thinking about what's going on in your world, and I know that your world isn't easy. I know it's complicated. Um, I know you got challenges, but you know what? Jesus has answers. Amen. And you got you have things that you need to navigate. And I just want to encourage you that God is going to walk with you. And and I know that in your heart is to be a man or a woman of God. And um the Lord wants to build that into your life. And I want to talk a little bit about that because I think what happens to us guys is we underestimate the price of following Jesus over the long haul. And sometimes we miss the big pieces of what God's actually doing in our lives. And um and He uses some very significant Uh, moments in order to craft in us his heart and his purpose. So some of you would say, man, I'd like to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Can I see your hand? Yeah? I want to see it. I want to be a part of being, you know, being used by God in those areas. I want to be a man or a woman of God. Can I see your hand? All right, the rest of you, you got to go home. But those people, I got something to say to you tonight. Listen, I'm, um, you know, I'm the proud father of four kids. I've got three girls and one boy. I'm way too young to have that many children, I know. And uh, when I tell you my oldest daughter is 16, now you know, I had her when I was like five. And, but uh, my, my oldest daughter is 16, her name is Hannah, then my son Zachary is 14, and uh, then my two little girls, Eden and Mia, are eight and six. And um, my eight-year-old, her name is Eden. She said, Dad, when you get there, tell him, what's up? So from Eden, my eight-year-old, What's up? Okay, you got it. That's what she brings to you. And uh, they're praying for you tonight. And uh, Lisa, my wife, sends her greetings. And she said that she's praying for you tonight because she really believes that God has something for you this evening. I want to walk you through a place in the Bible that's very significant to me because it really parallels a big, a big piece in my own life. And I want to take you there. You know, when, when Paul began to talk, uh, to some of the churches, one of the things that he would say, he said, he said, you know what, we were so happy to share with you the gospel, but more than just the gospel, we were happy to share with you our very lives. And so tonight what I want to do is I want to share a little bit of my story about my journey and, and some of the significant pieces that surround that that really have formed who I am today and what God is doing in my life. And so i, I got to take you back to, to a place long ago, many, many years ago, many, many, many years ago, maybe before some of you were even born. Um, I know it's hard to believe, but you know, back to a day when God called me into ministry, I was about, I was about uh, 12 years old and I felt God just speak to me. And, 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 and the call of God on my life was so simple. The call of my, my life was simply, I want you to help people. That was it. I want you to help people. And I honestly remember God Literally breaking my heart for the world around me. And one of the first things I thought of is, God, who am I? What am I actually going to do? I mean, what significance do I play in the, in, the, in the life and in the landscape of your great kingdom and what you're wanting to do? And as I grew up, I just had this, this heart that God gave me. And even though in my teen years I did some stupid stuff, anybody do stupid stuff when they're teenagers? Absolutely. God always had a grip on my heart. And you know, by the time I was 20 years old, I had, I had um, done some Bible school and I found myself in ministry. And um, you know, the only thing that I needed was I just needed a woman. Come on, somebody. I just needed a wife. And so I was in ministry and I needed a wife. And, and um, so I knew this gal from, from Bible college and, uh, and I married her. I was 20 and she was 19. I don't recommend it. So so the story goes on, and, and you know what? This is where the story kind of gets just a little bit serious, so just stay with me for a minute. And, and when I was, you know, uh, about, about five years into ministry, married to, to my wife, something tragic happened in our relationship. Um, and, you know, this is all part of the story for me, and I need you to know that as I share this, I share it from a totally healed place, without pain, uh, you know, without a wound. God's been gracious. But, but about five years into our marriage, my wife had an affair, and it really devastated me. It broke me down and broke me into pieces. And, um, and you know, as I, as I processed that, what I discovered in my own heart was that, you know what, God was asking me to figure out how to work out forgiveness and how to repair my marriage. And a lot of you have high hopes and dreams for marriage. And I know that God has a blessing for you. But it's interesting how God forms your character through the very difficult times that you endure. And so, you know what, I made the decision that I was going to walk this out, and I was going to ask God to help me to love my wife again, and he did that. And in the process, I moved from my home, from my home in Arizona to Canada. I came to Victoria, where I currently live now. And, and you know what, it was, um, it was a great move, and I love Victoria, and God put Canada in my heart, and I'm, I'm as Canadian as they come now, eh? Like, it's in there. I'm just telling you, I don't even have to try. It just kind of comes right out. And... Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm living in Canada now, and I'm, I'm loving Canada, and I, you know, fast forward to about another five or six years of ministry in Victoria at Glad Tidings Church, where I now pastor, and guys, it happened again. My wife had a, a, another affair, and this time it was a big deal, it was a painful deal, it was a two-year-long ordeal, it was, it was horrible. It was awful. It was with one of my close friends, someone who was on our team at the church, and it just was devastating. And you, you may be asking, why in the world are you sharing that with us? Thanks a lot for coming to, from Victoria to encourage us in such a beautiful way, Andy. Go home. Right? That's some of you are thinking. Who invited this guy? But listen, I just want you to know that your past is not supposed to determine your future. Right? I just want you to know that right off the bat. Your past was never supposed to determine your future. And just like the testimony we heard up here, some of you have some tragedy, some pain, some difficulty in your life, and what's happened to you is that is attempting to define your future. And I want you to know that the Lord wants to break that off of you because what he wants for you is he wants you to return to where he started with you. So what God had to do in my life is take me all the way back to when I was 12 years old and say, Andy, what did I call you to do? Because I was in a very dark place at this time. No idea what I was going to do. Life was devastated. I had this beautiful little girl. She's, you know, she's like four years old and just the sunshine of my life, just beautiful, wonderful girl. And my marriage is decimated, and I lost my marriage. So I'm literally a single dad preaching every week to young adults just like you. And just broken and hurting. And you know what? I want to pause the story there because the story gets way better and I get to share that with you in just a minute. But just hang on to that story for a minute. I want to take you now to the book of 1 Kings. If you have your Bible and you want to go there, we're only going to be hanging out in 1 Kings tonight. And 1 Kings is the story of a guy named Elijah. How many of you know who Elijah is? If you know a story about Elijah, Yeah. Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and you know, the fire from heaven and all that. But I gotta tell you, before all that stuff happened, God did some incredible things in the life of this man in order to make him into who it was that God had always wanted him to be. So when 1 Kings chapter 17 opens up, what we find is the story of this man. And you know what it says about him? In verse 1. Let's read it together if you've got a Bible. That's cool. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead. That's all it says. That's all he is, guys. How many of you know where Tishbe is? Right. How many of you know where Gilead is? Okay, I know what you're saying. Why? In other words, what the story is telling us, Elijah, the nobody from nowhere, right? That's what it's telling us. And I want to, this is so significant, guys, because this is where every great story begins. It begins in obscurity. It begins with a promise that God gave somewhere to this man. And all of a sudden what happens is God puts his word in Elijah's mouth and Elijah speaks it out. Let's read on here. It says, and and what he did is he said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So now here's the bold man of God standing up, actually the nobody from nowhere, standing up to the king of, the king, Ahab. Ahab was a terrible guy, by the way. Worst king that ever lived. He did more evil than all the kings before him, the Bible says. He was married to Jezebel, who was probably the most evil woman that ever walked on the planet. And the two of them were leading Israel into all kinds of false worship and moving, moving them into terrible, terrible places. And Elijah, the nobody from nowhere, stands up and says, Listen, it's not going to rain again until I say so. Now listen, you got to understand the context here. Why is this important? Because when we look at Elijah's life, what we have to do is put ourselves in that context. So what he did was he gave the most horrible prophetic judgment against the land that was possible. Let me tell you why. Because it was an agricultural community. And as an agricultural community, sheesh, what they needed more than anything was, come on somebody, million dollar question. Boom, nailed it right there. They needed rain. And so when he said that there was no rain for, until my command, he was basically saying everything's shutting down. Now, we've heard of economic slowdowns, and Calgary's experienced a little bit of that. But this would have been an economic shutdown. It would have meant there would be no gas, there would be no food, unemployment would be like 80%. It meant that like, not only could you, um, you know, you could not, you, not only could you not get your money out of the bank, the bank was gone. That's what that meant. And so you can imagine how terrible this was for the land. And you would think that as a result of of this man, this man who's believing God, the nobody from nowhere, you would think that as a result of his faithfulness, you would think that as a result of him being used by God as the mouthpiece, that God would just, man, elevate him. You see Elijah just standing on Mount Carmel. Listen, there's a whole lot of days between this moment and Mount Carmel. Because I want to tell you, If God's going to make you into a man or a woman of God, uh, he's going to take you through some seasons. And those seasons are not the seasons you want, but they're the seasons you need. You know why? Because God has to do something in you before he can do something through you. Come on, somebody. You see, and this is so important and so true. And you got to understand that this is exactly what happened in his life. And I want to tell you, it was my experience as well. So what happens next? Well, what happens next to Elijah is God takes him through a season, (laughs) a season of isolated pain. You know what God says to him next? He doesn't say, hey, come on up to the, the king's palace because you're the best guy around. No, no. What happens is he moves him into obscurity. In fact, God says to him this, if you read on in the passage, he says, I want you to go, in verse 2, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. So what happened here is God actually takes him from this prophetic moment and hides him away in obscurity, in a place called the Kerith Ravine, or the Kerith Ravine. Now, let me tell you, this word Kerith actually means the place of cutting. It means to be chopped down like you would chop down a tree. And some of you understand that experience. Some of you have a promise in your heart from God. Some of you actually believe that God wants to do something significant with your life. You have a dream. You have a, you have a heart. You have a goal. You have, you know, maybe you're involved in your church. Maybe you're already doing ministry. You're believing. You're dreaming. You're here because you're hungry and you're passionate. But what happens is the first thing that God has to do in us so that he can work through us, is take us through seasons of isolation. And your isolation might look different than mine. I can tell you, man, you know, trying to do what I do every week, trying to preach a message every week, trying to encourage people every week when you are so discouraged, when your life is so broken, is maybe one of the most difficult things I've ever done. I felt a sense of isolation at that time in my life that I just simply can't explain. And the reason why I share that with you is because that's what Elijah experienced. He went into the Kareth Ravine. And I would believe that if I gave you the opportunity, some of you would say, man, I've been there. I've been to the Kareth Ravine. Where it feels like, you know what, like I'm in, I've been cut off from everything that I once depended on. I've been cut off from all the things that I've trusted in. Everything that I'd hoped for and dreamed for, it seems to be gone. And some of you have this promise lingering from way back, but all of a sudden it feels like it's lost. And i got to tell you, that's exactly where I was at. That's exactly what I felt in my heart. And you know what? It's understandable to feel discouraged and disconnected in those kind of times. You know, I, I can tell you that it's, it's really difficult when you feel like you don't have what you need. But I want you to know that even in the Kareth Ravine, even in the Kareth Ravine, even in those broken times, God always provides. God will provide for you in such a beautiful way in those times if you'll stay close to him, if you'll stay near to him, if you'll lean into him. He'll do some beautiful things in your life. He will certainly give you hope and certainly provide for you. And that's exactly what he did for Elijah. If you follow the storyline, you know what happens next? God starts sending a catered meal every day. Every morning and every evening, the ravens showed up and they dropped meat and bread. Come on, somebody. A catered meal twice a day. And in the Carith Ravine, there he is by the brook, man. He's by the stream. It's a, it's a drought. And he's the, only, he's the only guy with water. And he's got something to drink. And he's got food twice a day. And he's just chilling in the Carith Ravine, man. It might feel like a place of isolation. It might feel like you're all by yourself. But one thing I know for sure is that God always provides. Amen? Now, there was a single mom who lived in this um, this kind of old apartment building. And in this old apartment building, the walls were super thin. And, uh, and you know what? She used to pray a lot. She was a single mom. And there were times where she didn't have what she needed. And she'd get to the end of the month. And there was no food. And there was no money. And she would cry out to God. But the thing is, the walls were thin. And she lived next to this atheist guy. And the atheist guy would always just, oh, he was so frustrated with her. When he would see her, he'd tell her, you know what? God's not real. God's not with you. God's not going to help you. And one time in particular, man, she was really crying out. She was asking God for more. She was, God, we got to have some food. The kids are hungry. I don't have what I need. She's praying. She's trusting God, and this atheist next door, he just gets so mad. He gets so frustrated that he literally goes out, and he buys a bag of groceries, all right? The guy is so mad. He buys his bag of groceries, and he puts it on her front door, and he knocks on the door, and he runs around the corner, and she comes out praising Jesus, believing for a miracle, opens up, and sees that there. Oh, she's so excited. She starts praising God. This atheist jumps out from behind the wall, and he says, ha, God didn't provide that for you. I did. She's standing there looking at him and looking at the groceries, and she just lifts up her hands to heaven and says, "God, thank you, thank you, thank you for providing and making the devil pay the bill." Uh, listen, guys, even in those places of isolation, and even in those places of brokenness, God provides. He provides always and forever. He will be faithful. And so God might take you into seasons of difficulty, into seasons of isolation, but he's a God who always, always will provide even in those places. Amen? Well, if you follow the storyline of this chapter, God is not finished molding the character of Elijah, and he has to do more in him so that he can do more through him. And so the next stage that we see in his life is a very difficult one because it's a, it's, a, it's a season now, not just of, you know, not just of isolated pain, but now a season of total dependence. You know, everything that he was hanging on to, it's all gone. And what happens next really brings that point home because all of a sudden the ravens stop flying and the brook dries up. Now, I, man, I got to tell you, if I go back to my storyline, I, I, I can tell you that, you know what, I was broken once when, when, when my relationship was, uh, was, uh, was damaged by an affair. I was broken once, and I mustered my strength, and I found courage from God, and I, I, I had a miracle of love return to my life, and then my brook dried up. It happened again. And listen, maybe you've experienced the brook drying up. Maybe you felt like this was the place of provision. This is where God was looking after me. This is where I was going to be taken care of. Man, maybe you had a, a, a dream for your university career, and, and you know what? The letter of acceptance never came, and it felt like the brook dried up. Maybe you had a relationship that you were counting on, and you know what? They deceived you, or things broke down, and you're left alone, and your brook dried up. Maybe you had a bank account, and the brook dried up. Come on, somebody. Maybe, maybe you had a dream or a plan in your heart, and you've had to put it on the shelf. Maybe. Maybe your brook has dried up. I gotta tell you, there are times when your brook dries up. Can you imagine what Elijah was feeling? There he is. He's trusting God, he's believing God, he's following God, he's in isolated pain, and all of a sudden the provision that God provides seems to dry up. Can you imagine what was going on in Elijah's heart and mind? Where he's actually going, God, are you serious? Are you kidding me right now? Is this really going on? Is this really happening? What I once depended on has been taken away. I've trusted you all the way into this ravine. There's nobody here. I'm all alone. And now you're taking away from me the one thing you provided. The brook dried up. And here's what I've learned. Here's what I've discovered. Is that God brings us through seasons of difficulty, and he teaches us about isolated pain. He teaches us some lessons. But then at some point, the provision that's there dries up, and what God is doing in drying up that provision is giving you courage to go to what's next. Because without that impetus, you would stay there. God couldn't let Elijah stay Stay in the isolated pain he couldn't allow him to stay in the brokenness he couldn't allow him to get bitter he couldn't allow him to, to, to lose his courage he couldn't allow him to get stuck in that isolated pain. And for some of you, that's the word you need to hear, man. God intends on every level to motivate you to get past your places of brokenness, to literally get over your past. Listen, to close the door on your past forever. And sometimes the way he does it is he dries up the brook so you'll move. And that's exactly what the Lord did with Elijah. The brook dried up. and He had no choice. It was time for total dependence. God, I got nothing. What do I do next. I don't even know what to do. And you know what? The thing is, is if if Elijah wouldn't have moved on from there, all the stories that we read about him in the next chapters, they never would have happened. In fact, he would have died there. He would have died in that place of provision, and so would the nation of Israel from the drought. But God had a plan, and God had to motivate him and took him all the way to Zarephath. Now, if you read the storyline, he says, go to Zarephath, and there's a widow there that you're supposed to hang out with. What you got to understand is Zarephath was the last place he would want to go. This was a man who was called to the nation of Israel to bless and to care for them. He felt a call from God to his nation. And all of a sudden, now he actually leaves his nation to go to Zarephath. Why? Because God cares about the widow in Zarephath too. And so all of a sudden, Elijah shows up in total, you know, just total dependence upon God. He shows up at this widow's house. And if you know the storyline, you know what happens. You know what? This woman's like... He, she says, he sits down at the well, and he says, listen, I can I have some food? Can I have some drink? And she says, I don't have anything. There's a drought, don't you know? I'm going to just make like one little cake with some water and some flour I've left, and then my son and I are going to eat it, and we're just going to die. That's pretty depressing, isn't it? He's like, hello, God, why am I here? This isn't going so good. He said, listen, if you make one for me, then I promise you, you'll have what you need. You see, because there was one lesson he learned, and that is that God provides in hard times. He already learned that lesson, guys. He knows God will provide. And so now he's in this place in, in Zarephath, and, and they do. They make this little cake for him, he eats it. She makes one with what's left. And I tell you what, she made one and she's like, This is crazy. The flower's still here. And you know what? The miracle of the flour and the oil takes place here because in Zarephath, because that's where God provided a flow of oil and the flour that never ever would dry up through that whole time of famine. That's a miracle. And also, you know what God does here? God calls him through total dependence and into exceptional, exceptional obedience. Because he follows God all the way to Zarephath. And I got to tell you, this is the pathway. This is the pathway to becoming that man and that woman of God. Is that God's going to do something in you so that he can do something through you. He's going to take you through seasons of difficulty He's going to teach you total dependence upon Him, where you can trust in nothing else but Him and Him alone. And then He's going to ask you to go. And you're going to respond in obedience. And as you do, that unconditional obedience that you respond to God in is actually going to be what is the catalyst for your ministry and catalyst for your purpose in the kingdom of God. And so this is the place where Elisha does a mighty miracle This boy got sick, and God used Elijah to raise this boy from the dead. It's the first time recorded in the Bible that someone dead had been brought back to life. Now, why is that so significant? Because, man, we can say, hey, God, we know you did it in the Bible. Do it again. Even for us, it would be an amazing miracle. But it would be as a result of God doing it before and now doing it again. But for him, he had no no context except his experience. And so that's why it was so important that he went on this journey. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up with this. You know what? That boy was raised from the dead. And at the end of the chapter, listen, listen to what is said of this nobody from nowhere. Here's what the woman says. Then the woman said to Elijah, verse 24, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. So you want to know the way? You want to know the path? to becoming a man and a woman of God? Just be prepared. Be prepared for total obedience, unconditional obedience, total dependence. And guys, even be prepared for those times of isolated pain. Because sometimes we look at suffering and we say, man, well, that's not a part of God's plan. And I just got to tell you from experience, God is never closer than when you're hurting. God is never more real than when you're walking through difficulty. God is never more active than when you are broken. And so I just want to tell you, don't despise those times in your life and don't feel as though God has left you or abandoned you because exactly the opposite is true. God is doing something in you so that he can do something through you. And friends, if we don't develop a theology that includes suffering, then we're missing a big part of the gospel. Right? Just read 1 Peter. Go home tonight. Read 1 Peter. You're going to see it. Because our theology has to have an element of suffering in it because God uses suffering for His glory and for your good. So I want to pray with you tonight. I want to pray for those that might be hurting. And um, as I do, I just want to share the end of my storyline. So my, my you know, I was a single dad. I was on my own. I had this child. And, and so it gave me a real heart for, for people whose families just aren't, you know, fully cohesive. And being in a church that's very family-centric, it's really hard. But you know what God did? God provided for me. And even though I went through, like, seasons of brokenness, and I would have wished that my my marriage would have been healed, and, and God would have done that kind of a miracle, that was not part of it for me. And I can't explain all the mystery surrounding that. But I just want you to know that, you know, one day a long way away from my brokenness and God had done some great work in my heart and healed me and was using me in ministry, then I I met a woman, and her name is Lisa, and she's my wife, and her life was just like mine. She shows up one night at church with this beautiful little boy who's two years old, curly blonde hair everywhere. He was rambunctious. Actually, he was crazy. But I love him. And uh, she told me a story about how her husband had came and left three times. And The last time he left, she went out, she came back, and he had cleaned out the house. And all that was left was his Bible and his wedding ring. And she said, you know what? I had no idea that God was going to take me on this journey. But what God did is he healed our hearts, and he gave us another opportunity And we were married almost 10 years ago. And through that journey, I've remained at the same church. I moved from being the youth guy to the young adults guy to the associate guy. And three and a half years ago, I was elected as the lead pastor of that church. And I'm still there today. And that's the grace of God, guys. That's what God does. I'm not not endorsing divorce. I'm not saying that my story is the right story. But what I'm saying is in my story, God did something in me. And I believe now that as a result of that, he can do something through me. And it's because I didn't get bitter. I didn't get stuck in the Kareth Ravine. I chose to walk with him. And as a result, he continues to reform my life. And that'll be the same for you. So be encouraged. Those bumps in the road, those valley moments, that's where fruit grows best, right? It always grows best in the valleys, and so you got to be prepared for that. And so what am I asking you to do tonight? I'm asking you to be people of God who desire the heart of God regardless of the cost, right? That will go after God even if it is through the valley, right? You know, through the valley, God will lead you. And uh, boy, if I, if I had more time, I'd tell you more stories about where this is. You can find this in Scripture, but it's literally from Genesis to Revelation, That your story will include times of concern, times of question, times of trouble. Jesus promised it. But I want you to know that those aren't times where God has forgotten you. Your faith is not that shallow. Hear me say that. Your faith is not that shallow and that small. God is working. He's bigger than your stuff, okay? I want you to stand to your feet, would you? Stand up right now and let's just lift our hands to God. I want you to begin to pray with me because I know that God wants to touch your life and minister to you. I I just had a sense, even tonight, that there were some people that were here this evening that were dealing with some levels of brokenness in their life, and what you need is you need encouragement to know that God is not silent, but he is working. Maybe your family's going through a difficult time. Maybe you're at university or college this year, and things haven't gone the way that they are. Maybe a relationship has broken down. Maybe you're facing a financial mountain. Maybe you're on your own, and it feels like it's been a really long journey. Maybe for some of you tonight, it is just that sense of, I want the I want the heart of God. I want the, I want the passion of God, but my faith might be a little too idealistic, and you're going to say yes to God, even if it hurts, even if it's difficult, even if it's challenging. So I just want to pray for you tonight, and I want to believe with you the band's coming. We're going to sing again. We're going to worship again. But God, I just pray in Jesus' name for this amazing group, Lord God, of young and vibrant people whose hearts are for your kingdom and represent so much diversity in the city of Calgary. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would lay a hand upon them, God, a hand that brings encouragement, a hand that brings a sense of the ever-present nature of God, regardless of the storm. And I thank you, God, that you don't always calm the storms. In fact, sometimes they rage, but God, you are still good, and you are still able, and you are still working. And I pray even tonight, Lord God, for people who are suffering and hurting, maybe feeling a sense of brokenness, maybe dealing with a a deep wound in the soul. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that they would be encouraged tonight that you are God enough, you are great enough, you are big enough. And even in the silence, Lord, you certainly are working. Lord, I pray that the lies of the enemy would be broken off in Jesus' name. The lies that say that my future is defined by my past, I just break that lie in the name of Jesus. I take victory over it in the name of Jesus. I stand as a testimony against it in the name of Jesus. And I pray for freedom over the house, freedom to dream for the future, freedom to not be defined by the past. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for the power of the Spirit to be able to close the door on the past forever, that there is no bearing on my future that is attached to my past in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I will walk in freedom and I will walk in victory. I am a child of God. I'm free. And Lord, I just pray in the mighty name of Jesus that, Lord, the story of this man of God would resonate in our own souls, that we would see that this is the same man, Lord, who did so many miracles, more miracles in this part of the past the Bible, than anybody else. He was the bright and shining star in a very dark place. He was a single man. And so God, I pray right now for individuals that are here. Because I believe that there are individuals that are here tonight. And and Lord, let us not underestimate what you will do with a single person, a single man or a single woman who will stand in the gap for you. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the value and And the ministry and the influence of the single individual would resonate in our souls and in our hearts tonight. I believe that there's someone here, and God's calling you into business, into politics, into education, into the spheres of influence that include the church, in entertainment. Lord, I just believe that you're releasing maybe a single individual that will stand up for what's right in these spheres of influence. And I pray in the name of Jesus that even right now, this would be a defining evening for them. And Lord, that they would be willing to walk into those places with confidence knowing that God, you are able. You are able. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for letting me be here.